0: Saunders Green and you're listening to Formally Fostered, brought to you by Green Pines Media. This is a podcast about foster care and children's mental health services and sometimes a juvenile justice system, mainly because there's a lot of intersection between the three. We give emancipated youth and their allies a place to share their truth. Welcome to episode six of Formally Fostered. So in the previous episode, we heard from a young adult who was thriving in a transitional housing program. She was working, she completed a program to become a certified nursing assistant. She was just following her case plan really well and was probably her case manager's dream client. After successfully completing the program, she found herself facing homelessness once again. Fortunately, she didn't allow her anxiety and depression to overtake her. What she did was come up with a plan. She talked with a friend and they decided that they'd become roommates and start searching for an apartment. Searching with a roommate didn't quite go as planned either, but she didn't let that stop her. And this is where the interview picks back up.
1: Every time we were looking for apartments at our two bedrooms, like everyone would turn us down and no one was like willing to even look at our application refund us back our money and then we ended up like breaking things off because I didn't feel like I needed to be roommates with him so that's when I felt like things started to open up for me as soon as I let him go and so like I had one up to my best friend to like get a peace of mind and I just started looking at stuff, and then I had seen this post of an apartment, and it said washer and dryer in the kitchen. And it was on Zillow, Craigslist, and Trulia. Okay. But, like, on Zillow and Trulia, it'll tell you if it was posted, like, 15 minutes ago. Right. like, And so it was, like, 15 minutes posted, like, when I had seen it. So then I had went on, like, Trulia, and it was on there, too. And then I went on... I always go... I check all three of the sites to see right. if one post more information than the other. So I went on Craigslist to, like, see if they had anything on there, and it posted. And then that's... On Craigslist, it was, like, saying that the kitchen had carpet and washing and dryer. So I initially thought that it was going to be ghetto. And then I had, like, this picture of it, but it was, like, a picture from, like, probably 20 years ago. So I was like, dang, it is the hood, but whatever. Because it was going for really cheap. It was, like too good to be true it was like it said like 850 with the washer dryer hookups I was like
0: what so if you live outside of the state of California a one-bedroom apartment for 850 dollars might be a little bit of a shock for you but trust me when I tell you she found a deal especially with washer dryer hookups you don't find that very often a lot of people know that it's expensive to live in California but may not know exactly what that means so I want to try to break it down a little bit. Most property management companies want renters to make at least three times whatever the rent is. And that's because they know that you're going to have other expenses like food and utilities, your cell phone, clothing. So that means in the case of this particular young adult, she found an apartment for $850. That means that the management company likely wanted her income to be at least $2,000. $550 every month, which translates to about $16 an hour. Now, a lot of young adults that I've worked with, they think that if they can just work 40 hours a week at a job that pays minimum wage, that they'll have enough money for their own apartment. Unless they're receiving some type of subsidized housing, like section eight, that's probably not gonna happen. Right now, minimum wage in California is $10.50 an hour. That means that their monthly income will be about $1,680 a month. And that's before taxes. Once there are deductions, it's even less than that. But these are just rough numbers to give you an idea. So if you take the salary from a full-time minimum wage job and divide it by three, they can only afford rent that's about $560 a month. Now that might be reasonable in some other areas, but in California, you're probably not gonna find that. That's why you find that a lot of people will have roommates or of course move back home. But moving back home isn't an option for a lot of youth who've aged out of the system. As a matter of fact, moving back home may be dangerous. Okay, back to the interview.
1: So I, I emailed the lady at night. It was like at midnight, and she emailed me back right away. I was like, I'm sorry, but can you contact us during normal business hours and give us a call tomorrow? And so I called her and I let her know like kind of like my backstory. Like I had I was looking for with a roommate, and it wasn't really um it wasn't like a good idea I guess, and it didn't work out. And so now I'm trying to venture out on my own, and I don't have like really good credit and I don't really have renter's a history, but, you know, and she's like, okay, well, can you just come check it out, um, like, before you go to work on Friday, and I was like, yeah, and so I, she asked me to get there at 10 o'clock, but to bring everything, like, my money order for the application fee and, like, paycheck stubs and stuff like that, so I made sure I had everything with me. And I looked at the apartment, I loved it immediately because I see, like, these two older guys out there, like, African-American, but one looks like a dad, and the other one looks, like, you know, like, mid-age, like, probably early 30s, Mm -hmm. but, like, really relaxed. And I went inside, and it was, like, perfect, and I got the application from her, and I sat down, and I filled it out. And then all these people were, like, coming in and viewing it. So I was, like, getting discouraged because I'm, like, oh, my gosh, she's going to do it to them. <laughs> and it was, like, one lady that was by herself. And, it, you know, like, she's, like, telling the story. And I was, like, oh, my gosh. So I ended up telling the landlord, like, the lady. I'm, like, oh, my gosh. See, so, yeah, I'm getting discouraged and I feel bad, but um, I'm going to just give you my application anyway. She's, like, oh, no, don't worry. And then the neighbors, they ended up, like, um, talking to me and gave me some water and was, like, asking me some information about myself And then I left and then um, she had like contacted me for like two weeks, like to come in and like give her some more verification paperwork. And then finally, like it was going on like three weeks and I was just like over it. And I I went to
0: like to go talk to my friend. I'm going to like look somewhere else. So when she talks about being over it, it was mainly because of the wait. She hadn't had much luck finding an apartment with a roommate and she thought that maybe this would go the same way. I asked her if she had considered moving back to the city that she grew up in. Here's what she had to say about that.
1: I felt like I was taken from, not taken, but I made the decision to leave there and start fresh somewhere else. And so for me to just go back to where I was at, which is, I felt like would make me go backwards. All right. So I didn't want to go backwards.
0: That idea of not wanting to go backwards was something that I could completely relate to. When I was 19 years old, I packed up my 1989 Nissan Sentra and convinced a family member to drive cross country with me so I could attend college in Atlanta, Georgia. I was immature and unfocused and had no idea how I was gonna pay tuition at a private university, but I did it anyway. It's no surprise that I dropped out after two semesters. The important thing was that I had left home. I spent four years working jobs I couldn't stand so I could have an apartment that I really couldn't afford All because of a fear of going backwards. And when I couldn't take it anymore, I packed my car back up and headed home. The one thing that kept running through my mind was, I'm a failure. Luckily, I had family members and mentors who kind of talked me out of that funk, but it was pretty difficult, so I'm really glad she stuck with it.
1: I was like talking to my friend, like, I'm just going to fly for places, like, I'm just getting stressed out, like, I'm over it. And then five minutes later, she calls me on my phone, the landlord, and she's like, hey... We've seen some stuff come up on your credit and, you know,
0: but, you know, it's okay. We're still going to work with you. If you can just go ahead and just take care of that, you might not have known about it. We spent some time talking about those hits on our credit report. And like a lot of young people, she didn't realize how having a negative credit report could impact her ability to rent an apartment. Luckily, her management company was willing to work with her. That doesn't always happen. They could have just as easily shredded her application and went on to the next person. She also talked a little bit about what those bills were. An outstanding bill
1: with Sprouts that I have with my ex.
0: Yeah, it was like over $500.
1: And then I even had like a light bill on there, but I had to take care of that ASAP because I couldn't even um, open up my new light uh, electricity bill without paying for the old one. And so I did that and I had my first and last month's rent. They only require like the first and last. And then I came in, I did the paperwork, I signed it, but because I had previously did it, I knew what to expect and like what questions to ask her. So it was pretty cool. So I got my keys. I didn't have anything. Like, I had all my stuff in storage, but I didn't have any money. Like, I had spent all my money for the first and last, Mm -hmm. so I didn't have any money to go get, like, a truck, and I didn't have nobody to help me get the truck, and I had to pay for the storage that month, too, Mm -hmm. so I just paid on the storage, and I, like, had a blow-up bed, and I got my blow-up bed, and I was, like, so excited, and they they let me move in, obviously, like, two days earlier or three days earlier, and I just moved in, and I just... Slept so on my little bed for like two weeks. I didn't even have a refrigerator for like over almost two weeks. And I was like really happy. Like I just, like the new house just smelled good. It smelled like fresh paint and carpet. It smelled so good. I loved
0: it. There is nothing like moving into your own place. But I wanted to ask her, at what point did you actually feel like your apartment was home?
1: Mm, when I moved my stuff in, I was like, Ooh.
0: What? this is so real
1: like it wasn't real for me when I first moved in <laughs> and I had like nothing in there it felt like uh, like this is just too good to be true type of a thing <laughs> but when I moved in all my stuff it just felt like oh my gosh this is my home like this is it like I can actually keep this I can't maintain it. and I, that motivated me more like I have to maintain this I have to because it's so homey. And, like, the fact that, I don't, I know I keep talking about my washer and dryer, but it's such a That's thing. important. <laughs> like, I was washing, like, out, like, going, because, okay, when I first moved out here, I think it was the first time I was really using the washer and dryers, like, the wash houses. Because we had, like, apartments that always had, like, washer and dryer, like, even at the shelter, THP, like, you know, we didn't have to go out out of sight so when I have to drive somewhere else and do my laundry and make sure I have to be like two hours before I go to work or like it's just a lot you know yeah. you have know, to sit around random people and you have to make sure if you are going to leave no one's going to take your clothes of right. the dryer you know and hauling them in and out of your car was a lot.
0: We spent quite a bit of time talking about her new apartment and the furniture and how she'd decorate and just her feelings about moving into her own space. It was great and I was so excited for her. I followed up with her a couple weeks later. Everything was great with her apartment, but she was planning on changing things up with her job. So I was thinking about taking this contract up north and it's for 13
1: weeks and I was going to do it during the um, winter session. But the thing is, it's like I'll have to take myself up there. The pay is like really good and it's obviously guaranteed hours plus overtime and they pay for your housing and everything. But the only thing is, like I said, was is to get up there and then
0: I'll have to maintain like my apartment here. So I'm contemplating on whether
1: I should do it or
0: not. So I'm gonna be honest and say that I was a little concerned. There were definitely knots in my stomach during this conversation, but it was mainly because I was concerned for her. I had just done a ton of research about human trafficking for my second novel, and I just saw danger everywhere. But I calmed myself down and just asked those very basic questions to see whether or not she had actually done her research, and she had. We talked about it quite a bit. I gave her some basic suggestions. She told me about some of her concerns, and we ended the conversation with something that I tend to tell a lot of the youth that I work with. If you're single and you don't have kids and you have an opportunity to travel, do it. She eventually told me about her plan to sublease her apartment.
1: I have a friend and they're thinking about, well, cause they're like in between, they need kind of like a place to stay, but they just need like an extra few months. So I like letting them stay there, but do I charge them rent?
0: The first thing I did was encourage her to review her lease. In some cases, it's a violation that could actually lead to an eviction. And then we talked a little bit about her friend. I encouraged her to think about her friend's character Was he honest? Was he hardworking? She'd be giving him complete access while she was out of town. Could she trust him? Or would he be turning her apartment into a meth lab?
1: No, yeah, like this person doesn't do any of that. He doesn't drink, smoke, any of that, but I don't want it to turn into like
0: some, I want him to like get it to get, like when I'm on my way to come down, like he's already has a place to go, you know? So even though she felt that her friend was reliable, it was pretty obvious that she still had some concerns. When I asked her, she said she just didn't want to deal with the drama of a live-in relationship.
1: I don't know. So we were talking about it like a few days ago, but then... I don't know why people read into signs, and I'm like, that's probably what my issue is, because he's a Gemini, but supposedly they have like two sides or something.
0: She spent quite a bit of time talking about compatibility and relationships, but after a while, the discussion turned back to her upcoming trip.
1: The place that I came, my rent to, they gave me their like, um... You know like when you put stickies on the mail instead of writing it down? So they gave me that, but I was really like, could I mail money
0: orders? She realized that talking with the management company would be her best option. I mean, in this day and age, they might have been using Venmo or maybe even an app. She promised to keep in touch and then headed off on her new adventure. I received a few texts and even got a phone call or two. And after she returned, we scheduled some time to hang out and talk about her experience. I started out by asking her why she had chosen to go up north to work. Here's what she had to say.
1: Well, it was the opportunity for me to go and work a lot of hours mm-hmm. and make a lot of money mm-hmm. within a short period of time. And that way I can, like, come back home and pay on my housing and just focus on school. But things ended up being different so I did get a lot of hours and I did get good pay Mm -hmm. but it was just not really worth it because like it's I had more of a peace of mind back home working versus going out of my comfort zone and in a different environment being around a bunch of different people for it and it was like really chaotic so it it was too much for me I was I was supposed to be there for three months, but I ended up staying there for only two. Mm-hmm. So it ended early.
0: I asked her about how she had first learned about this particular job. Here's what she had to say.
1: Staffing agencies that staff you in different... Um, facilities in your area Mm -hmm. and like they get a portion and then you get a portion so like the hospital will get like billed Mm -hmm. um a certain fee and then out of that certain fee they'll pay you like Mm -hmm. hourly and it's usually more money when you work registry than being hired on somewhere but then the cons to registry is that you don't get benefits and you can get cancelled. So like you're not guaranteed your full forty hours. But it's a lot more flexible because you can be like, Hey, I wanna work this weekend and then you could change your mind the day before and be like, Hey, I don't wanna work tomorrow, or the next day. Down here, I think people are a lot more on top of things and they're a lot more serious. Versus up there they just I don't wanna say nonchalant towards certain things, but it's just I don't know. I don't think things were
0: taken as serious. Mm-hmm.
1: I prefer registry because it's more flexible with my schedule. And knowing how I am, I switch up all the time
0: with my. <laughs> so, being placed through the registry worked very well for her personality. Not only could she keep a flexible schedule, but she didn't have to worry about medical insurance. As a former foster youth, she was covered until the age of 26. I asked her if things had worked out well with her management company. Specifically, if there had been any headaches with her paying the rent while she was away.
1: Yeah, I communicate with my landlord a lot too, and then I just sent her three months worth of ch- like three checks, mm-hmm. and I dated them for the, like the date,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: like January first, February first, and then March first for my rent. Cool. I think I feel like I appreciate my apartment more now. So when I since I've left, than I did before I left for some reason. <laughs> because like now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like really a sanctu- my own sanctuary, like. It's so private, it's to myself, I can come home. Because up there was like a roommate situation too, mm-hmm. even though I didn't have necessarily have a roommate. Mm-hmm. But I was around so many like people all the time, it just felt like I was never alone. So like being at home and I'd work the registries, I can just work however many days I want and just stay home and relax and unwind. Being on your own is like super awesome. Some people think, I thought it was gonna be scary being alone, but it's like the best thing ever. The first week I was kind of lonely and like nervous. And I have really cool neighbors, like, they look out for everything, like, they be watching out there. Like I had some packages that got delivered the other day mm-hmm. and I came home and it was like six o'clock and there was no packages. And I was like, oh my gosh, someone stole my packages. <laughs> I was so upset. And then I, got, I went outside to do something with my friend and I was like, oh, someone still didn't return my packages. <laughs> and then my neighbor came. I was like, hey, I got these for you because I didn't want nobody to take them.
0: So we spent some time talking about good neighbors and how much of a blessing they are. And not just because they might hold on to your packages. Sometimes they actually become part of your support system. We spent some time talking about the little things, how going up north hadn't worked out quite like she expected, but it was definitely a good experience. Even the 10-hour drive was an adventure. At some point during the conversation, she casually mentioned that she had finished reading my book, Angelique. So of course, I had to ask, what'd you think?
1: I really liked it. Like, I couldn't put the book down when I first got it. And then me being me, like flaky, it took me a while to get pick it back up and finish reading it. But not because of the book. It was just me. I really liked it. Like, it was really enticing. It seemed like you were, like, one of them, you know? Because you were speaking on their level. It's kind of cool. And you had some twists and some turns in there, too. That was kind of cool. That I didn't even expect. I was like, what? Uh Uh-uh. No, he did not. Girl. About two times. No, he did not with the baby and the whole situation why Angelique got taken away and oh, stuff. Yeah. And then yeah. like... Of course, the mom being so extra out and <laughs> being her promiscuous and stuff, like that was just, I was like, oh no, her mama didn't. I was telling my friend about like your book and stuff and I he was like, he asked me about the details again and mm-hmm. I told him, you know, it's about former foster youth that, you know, that experienced foster care and now they're like in transitional housing and they're all living together in a sense, but not roommates, but just like in the same complex. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you know what? That's what it is. And I was like, what? He was like, that's why you're socially awkward. I forget that you used to be in foster care.
0: And those were the words of a friend. She recognized that people just didn't understand what it was like for a young adult who had grown up in the system. Not being with your family, being forced to live with strangers, and then being labeled for something that was completely outside of your control. And she made it clear that it wasn't just ignorant friends. Here's what she had to say about one of her college professors.
1: Like, we were having a discussion and, like, how were you raised? Are you raised in, like, group? It, it's a sociology class. And it was, like, how did your parents discipline you? Did, you, yeah, did your parents discipline you by taking action? Or was it, like, disciplining you by, like, taking things away from you? Was it physical? Was it this and that? Like, um, did they let you experience your own problems and let you grow from them? Or did they take control and actually, like, try to physically teach you or guide you? And so she was like, raise your hand if you're a group A, raise your hand if you're group B. And then she was like, oh, some people aren't raising their hands. So some of you guys must not have had parents and like laughed. And she was like, I can't imagine not having parents and laughed again. And I was like, oh, that's really, really insensitive. And I was like, yeah, I was like, what if some people are just too embarrassed to say they don't have parents?
0: I think it's important to note that this particular professor is also an advocate for young foster kids.
1: And she was just like telling me that she's just like, so sorry and that she wasn't thinking and that um, she's happy that I took a stand for myself and not only for myself but for others oh, and my. that for future reference like she totally knows like it'll never happen again.
0: Right. As uncomfortable as it was, I think it served as a really good reminder. For example, even the professionals get things wrong sometimes. I can't tell you how many times I have put my foot in my mouth as a social worker. It's gonna happen, we're not perfect. But when it does, the important thing is that we apologize, admit that we made a mistake, try our best to learn from it and then move on. Those are important lessons that our youth need to learn. It's also a reminder that our youth have a voice and it's important for them to advocate for themselves. It's been about a year since I first started meeting and talking with her about her experiences. Like most young adults, she doesn't call very often, but I find myself looking forward to her occasional text messages. So when she invited me over to see her newly decorated apartment, I gladly accepted.
1: So I have another job, and my other job, I worked like crazy, and I still work like crazy with that job like a lot of overtime so I, I literally didn't have time to really just go shopping and spend all my money so I saved it and every time I like seen something that I liked I would just like buy it so I knew what I wanted to do with my apartment beforehand but I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it with, with my budget I went online I seen some things I got a lot of stuff used like this picture here I got this for 40 bucks And the original person bought it from Pier 1, so it's pretty nice.
0: Her apartment was really cute. She had chosen what I would consider Hollywood glam as her decorating theme. There were crystal chandeliers and lamps with rhinestones. Her favorite piece was the tree trunk table that had been spray painted in platinum. She said she preferred neutral colors, so almost everything was shades of silver and gray with splashes of navy blue accents. I
1: don't know, it just has like a super cool feel to it. I really chill, and my bed's pretty comfortable, honestly. It's a king.
0: Like all of us, she still has her challenges, but I don't think I've ever seen a young adult more at peace with themselves. And that's what led to my final question. What are you enjoying about your life right now?
1: Right now, um, I feel like uh, because of me working a lot and saving, I'm able to do more than I expected myself to be able to do. I'm looking forward to just like traveling, personal investments, school. I keep saying that, but I'm gonna really do it.
0: Thank you for listening to Formally Fostered. You can subscribe to us by going to Apple Podcasts or follow us on SoundCloud. Feel free to leave a comment or email us at info at greenpinesmedia.com. So, until next time, have a good one.